Welcome to the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast. The world is changing faster than ever, and the world of education is too. Advances in psychology, biology, and a whole range of other fields have opened up new lines of thought about the purpose of school and how it can best serve a new generation of students. Join me on the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast every week to explore these new ideas. In our last episode, we spoke with Dove Shapiro about how his company, Connect You, is helping to address teen mental health outcomes through social-emotional learning. And today, I'm going to be speaking with my colleague and good friend, Miss Jessica Paul, about uh, pretty much everything that we do <laughs> in terms of our student programs here. Miss Paul, Jess, and I have, have been working together uh, these past several years to evolve and develop our extracurricular student programs, our intra-intercurricular student programs, our co-curricular student programs, whatever you want to call it, all of the stuff that our students are doing day-to-day, week-to-week, year-to-year, um, both in and outside the classroom, but not necessarily related to curriculum and credit, mm-hmm. related to themselves as people, their own wellness, uh, and their interaction with the, their peers, those around them, and the, sure. the environment around them. Um, as a, as a background and as sort of a foundation for talking about what we've been up to through this crazy year and, and before it and maybe what we hope to do with it in the future, mm-hmm. uh, our student programs at Braemar are built around the, the question that every educator, of course, asks themselves, which is what are the needs of my student demographic, in our case, teenagers? And of course, at Braemar, um, what are the needs of a, an international student base, a teenager who's, who's coming to us from across the world, often without the support or mm-hmm. the immediate support uh, of family in their lives. They're coming to a new city, uh, new language group, new culture, and they're sitting in class originally with a, a whole bunch of people that they've never met before. So what, what do you see as those, those two questions? What are the primary needs of any teenager universally? What are the primary needs or the special needs of, of a Braemar student as they first enter our school? I think uh, one of the, maybe, maybe not primary needs, and I, I realize I'm now not answering your question. Um, That's one okay. thing I think we can we, go anywhere with this. <laughs> one thing I think we do strive to kind of build and instill in our in our students, uh, as well as most teenagers, is that uh, independence, uh, building up their their responsibilities. Uh, f- they have themselves as, as students um, coming to class every day, whether it's online or in person, navigating themselves through a new city and a new country on their own, uh, finding a place within their community, but then also providing that necessary support network that they are going to be lacking here when they get here. Um, and I think the pandemic really kind of opened that up for us and kind of gave us an insight into what a lot of our students are struggling with and what they're not getting. And that's, you know, some of them living in a basement apartment mm-hmm. alone in the dark and not seeing anyone for days, weeks, months on end. Um, so as much as we're trying to build that, you know, come and live in this new city on your own and be successful, but also how are we going to support them and also how are you going to interact with your community around you? Yeah. It's been said before, and, and I've kind of borrowed this from a number of people, but the pandemic has been both an accelerator, I think, mm-hmm. of a lot of different trends uh, and a magnifying glass. Absolutely. Right? It's, it's really, really helped to clarify our situation as individuals and the things that we need just to be okay, just to, to get through a day. So much of which 
pre-pandemic or in the case of many of our students when they're in their home countries, when we're children in our home cultures, uh, so much of that stuff that keeps us okay is provided for us, is, is kind of done automatically. And so COVID kind of revealed how intentional we need to be in a lot of cases now about receiving things that previously were provided for us without our thinking. The foundations of my thinking come out of that, that basic Maslow's hierarchy, the idea mm -hmm. that in order to be well and in order to become what you have it in you to be, uh, you must, of course, achieve those basics of security and safety. But then there's these metaphysical needs, mm -hmm. those, those three mm -hmm. on top of the hierarchy pyramid. We talk about a person needing to belong. Yes. Right? And that means that they need to have some sense of their own identity and some sense of how that identity fits into the environment around them. They need to have self-esteem. And self-esteem okay. comes from both external recognition and internal recognition. So that we, we need to be recognizing identities. We need to be um, praising positive processes in our students. And then that, that big one, everybody's still kind of working out exactly what this means for them, but self-actualization. How, how do you become your best self? Now, I've, th that framework has always been front of mind for me but in, over the course of the years, and especially during this pandemic period, the idea of anti-fragile systems has kind of overlapped uh, or, you know, it's, it's, it's infiltrated this, this idea um, in the sense that in order to progress up that hierarchy, to move from just having your basic needs met to feeling belonging, to feeling self-esteem, to being in a position to actualize yourself, um, you need to understand yourself as an anti-fragile system, a system that becomes stronger, like our muscles, when it meets challenge, when it is stressed, when it's put under stress, and that not running from that stress, but rather heading straight towards it, in some cases heading straight towards and through failure and, and extreme discomfort, is how we achieve the best parts of life, mm -hmm. fulfillment and purpose. Um, and we see that in really, really obvious ways with Absolutely. our students. Um, so without further ado, that's, that's kind of the, the, the theoretical foundations for what we do, but it's obviously a lot more interesting and a lot more fun to talk about. What does this look, like, look like in practice? Uh, our students come to us from all over the world, mm -hmm. um, pretty much every continent, uh, more countries than, than I can name in any one go, and I have tried on this podcast. I'm not going to again because it's a, a fool's errand. Uh, they come to us from all over the world. They meet in this, this wonderfully multicultural city. Uh, they meet us in the center of it in downtown Toronto. And like any metropolis, there's a ton going on. There's, there's a, a certain amount of chaos and noise that has to be accommodated. Always. Um, and then in, in normal times, they all meet us physically in this building. In this past year, many met us physically, but many also met us online, uh, learning through distance. And from that moment, from that first meeting moment, we begin the process of hopefully uh, covertly moving <laughs> students through their their uh, their Maslow's hierarchy, moving them towards resilience and the type of independence that you described. Mm -hmm. So I, I've got a jumble of memories and thoughts in Thanks. my head. So I'm hoping you're going to help me uh, sort them all out. Can you just talk to us about that that those first few weeks? Uh, you're in the classroom with them mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. more than I am, but we, we we're doing stuff at lunchtime, before school, after school, uh, on orientation days. Walk us through the first couple of weeks for a Braemar student. So I think depending on classes and levels and things like that, especially our, our lower level English speaking students, um, students that are joining us and 
going straight into, say, an ESLB or an ESLC class, um, most of our first lessons and, and units will focus primarily on just building up our English skills so that we are comfortable and able to communicate with everyone around us, um, not just, you know, common classroom phrases, but also how are you going to interact with and speak with students that do not speak your same first language? Um, because most of the time, there is going to be at least one other student in your class that does not speak the same language as you. And the one unifying aspect is that we are all here together learning and speaking English. Mm -hmm. um, but also giving our students a chance to meet and interact with students from their home community or at least from their home countries so that there is that sense of community and familiarity that they're able to experience here. Maybe it's some aspect of comfort as well. Um, we do a lot of trips in and around our local community, things like Kensington Market, um, U of T area campus, uh, just kind of getting our students especially the brand new ones out and around and seeing this is what the city has to offer. It's not just Tim Hortons at the corner and the TTC. Thank there goodness. is so much more around us that we have access to. Um, and I think that is a, is a really important kind of first step is just kind of showing them what there is here. Um, and then aside from that, we get into kind of opening up and showing them what can happen here at Braemar, not just within the classes themselves, but also within our school community as a whole. Right. Uh, it's very, very difficult to learn. It's very difficult to grow when you don't Absolutely. feel that you belong in, in the place where you're doing those, those uh, tasks. And so a student may come to us with, with a very, very high level of uh, English proficiency, mm -hmm. and they can move into sort of belonging in the larger Braemar community and, and belonging in even our city a bit more quickly than others. Other students come to us with, they're, they're still in the, the, the process of their language learning journey, right? mm -hmm. they're developing. Mm -hmm. And so the first belonging that's available to them is the belonging in their original language group, their, yes. their native speaking language group. And so we have a sort of tricky rope to walk <laughs> because we need them to belong, but we also need them to extend themselves past that, that, that uh, first language because of course many of them are here to either master mm -hmm. english or get themselves ready for a canadian university or college setting or really in most cases both absolutely right so uh for example a vietnamese student comes to us they're 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 placed at an eslc or an esld level mm -hmm. they can go into a shop in toronto and and order something they they can read a map they can ask for directions etc um, but maybe they're not quite in a place where they can sit in a 12U English class and discuss the finer points of figurative language and, and uh, you know, the, the <laughs> metaphysics of meaning, etc. And not so that right. student looks around their classroom, they see someone who's also from their, their culture, who speaks their, their language, and they, oh, they, they, they jump right to them, exactly as you, that, that motion, please <laughs> hold me close, don't let me go. Um, and then, and they have their belonging there. Yes. But then that belonging becomes a bit... Bound, boundary reading <laughs> exactly just just like those those classic americana movies we don't have goths and jocks and cheerleaders no yeah. we we have language groups here yes. and so we we give the students an orientation session 
they meet their teachers. Mm -hmm. We do a meet your teachers fair where each of our teachers kind of uh, has a chance to express to students what are they interested in, what sort of events and clubs are they going to be helping to, to run this year. Students have a chance to see maybe where their interests might be represented. Absolutely, yeah. And then we move from that directly into student clubs, which yes. launch uh, week two of, of most of our terms. You uh, have the, the distinction the, and the honor of running uh, unarguably the most popular, <laughs> the most well-attended, the most talked about, uh, and the, I think the longest running <laughs> student club at our school. Yes. Um, can you just talk, talk about that club and, and maybe anything else that, that you've been involved in in that area? Absolutely. So Cooking Club started off as uh, a program known as Rooks to Cooks, where we had actual professional chefs come in and teach uh, a lot of our students some of the basic skills that were required in, in cooking. Sorry um, to interrupt. Uh, no, just a quick shout out to Chef Shai Mandel, uh, who was the CEO of Rooks to Cooks in the past, a wonderful program here in Toronto that uh, um, will send, as, as Ms. Paul just said, professional chefs uh, into schools and help uh, young people learn uh, the, the, the basics of, of cooking which to me is, is a fundamental skill and one that gives them a lot of uh, self-empowerment. Necessary. So thank you, Shai, for helping us get this all started. <laughs> uh, and I think at the time it was, it was well attended. I think we maxed out as many students as we could have at that time. And uh, we did different cuisines from all over the world. We had uh, a Vietnamese spring roll day, program. We had uh, an Italian tiramisu cooking session. We did uh, Greek salads and pitas and all sorts of things. Um, and always kind of nutritious and healthy and simple enough that our students could potentially recreate any of the dishes that they learned how to make in class in their own homes as well. Um, Unfortunately, we were then <laughs> shut down and uh, put on kind of hiatus for, for a year. It is hard to cook di <laughs> digitally. It's very hard. Something the internet hasn't quite provided for yet. For sure. Um, but we had such positive feedback and such a positive turnout. And uh, I think especially once we did start learning in person again, it was another way of bringing that feeling of, of belonging. Um, students first of all students love to eat <laughs> <laughs> don't we all giving them yeah. a chance to come and just eat food um brought in a lot of people but also it, i think it's really opened up a lot of doors for a lot of students who maybe didn't necessarily know where they fit in um it gave them a chance to meet a lot of different students to work together to hone their skills or build their basic skills that they might not have had, uh, while also teaching them about nutrition and, uh, and health and necessities for, for life. Not our expressions banquet, but uh, before that, when we did our borscht night, mm -hmm. um, we kind of, we made borscht as a response to the, the war happening in Ukraine, um, simply as a way to provide some small aspect of comfort and safety when so much of the world was gone to hell mm. um this was a way of you know bringing in students to just come and sit and eat and be together 
without having to think about everything that was happening, all the bad and, you know, we could just come and have some Slavic comfort food yeah. for some of our students. And it was one of, in my mind, it's one of our nicest ones. It was the first time that everyone had sat down together. Uh, we prepped everything, we cooked everything, and then we all ate together. Yeah. And I think that's the first time we'd really done that. Um, and that was really special. It's a strange thing when a teenager recognizes their own um, metaphysical needs, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. they, and they see that being supported and recognized by their teachers, but also by their peers. Because that moment in particular this year, especially following COVID, this incredibly confusing, stressful time, and then perhaps even more confusing, more Absolutely. stressful, and more, more devastating, uh, yeah, the invasion of Ukraine. And we have students... We have a lot of students from Ukraine. We have a lot of students from Russia. Yes. And seeing them sitting together, sharing a dish that each of them would have grown up eating. Mm-hmm. We, we call these things comfort food, yes. home cooking for a reason. So not only do they see their identities being represented and valued, but they see what they share. Mm-hmm. I, again, a, a perfect example of a club that is, lest we forget, really fun. Right? Yes, it, it, absolutely. It, we, we recognize that there's, <laughs> there's a recreational, strict entertainment aspect to all of these things, and that's one of the ways we get students in the door, uh, giving them a, a meal and, and at least yeah. one night a week being able to guarantee that the students who show up, 30, 40 of them each time, um, are being given a nutritionally complete dinner. Yes. And then the skill set, the, the, the educational aspect. Uh, when I was a teenager, I had no idea how I could barely make macaroni and I could barely make a fried egg. So now when my three-year-old nephew is showing off his his brand new fried eggs that he's just learned to make, I, I feel incredibly embarrassed. <laughs> um, but I didn't want that for our students. No. And definitely. so they're, they're learning a few of the basic skills, cutting techniques, mm-hmm. how to start with your aromatics and, and stir fry up some veggies and how do you balance your proteins, your carbs and your fats, etc. Also learning about budgeting a little bit. Yeah. How, do you, how do you buy food that's not going to break the bank and, and support yourself as you're going through perhaps a, the beginning of a career or mm-hmm. your time in university or college? And then those, those softer um, benefits, the, the recognition and the esteem, right? When you make food for somebody else and they gather around a table with you and say, boy, this food is good. Mm, I, I feel great. Um, I, that, that's got to be one of the oldest evolutionary forms of, of recognition. Absolutely. So we're bringing that. And Miss Paul brings it every single week. And when we talk about hopes of the future, it's really near the forefront of that. It's going to be... Definitely continuing cooking club. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's let's make it bigger and better every year. Other club that I've been a big part of or um, really started off as a bunch of smaller clubs. uh, And that was currently our creatives club, but originally started off as um, creatives club, drama club, Social media club, there were yearbook contributors, it was all... All sorts of different things, uh, all with creative elements. And we we noticed, uh, Mike, you noticed especially, that a lot of our students were, who were attending creatives club and drama club and yearbook club and all of these other things and the newspaper and were going to all of these same clubs and kind of stretching themselves a little bit thin. and it made sense for us to just simply combine all of our aspects together. And I think because of that, we were able to really move forward with a lot of some of our bigger events that we were able to do at school. Um, even starting way back uh, with Thanksgiving, we kind of put together um, a Thanksgiving event 
Uh, we had a lot of art contributions. We had minimal drama performances. Combining of these clubs, um, we've really been able to take on a lot more than we ever really thought we could. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the Expressions Banquet is, a, is an excellent example of that. Um, just students that you never expect um, to take an interest, you know, getting up on stage and, yeah. and, and rocking out and uh, all sorts cool of feeling that was oh, all sorts of art, artistic, exp artistic expressions, yeah. um, but different artworks and, and media components and, and rock bands and skits and poetry readings and anything and everything that any of our students could possibly think of was, was represented at this in this evening. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking I'm, you'll, you'll know the student immediately, but there was a student who got up who I'd, I'd, I had thought of as somebody who was just kind of coasting mm -hmm. uh, through his time here at, at school. And he gets up and delivers a probably a, f a real life five minute motivational speech about how, yes. to how, how to think about your dreams and how to go after your dreams, what, what type of attitude to take. And I talked to him afterwards. I'm like, man, that was really, really well prepared. You had that down. Mm -hmm. Right. And he goes, well, yeah, I'd better. I tell it to myself every single morning. These students who hadn't per hadn't participated in, in Creatives Club until the Expressions Banquet, but then they get up on stage at Expressions Banquet, and you see where their passions are mm -hmm. and where their 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 agency lies, and they play this incredible rock set. They play these Arctic Monkeys covers, and it just blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And the entire crowd is up and standing ovation. People are flowers. throwing flowers <laughs> onto the stage. It's a beautiful thing. Yes. Um, it's also beautiful to see that that banquet is. Uh, at, it's called a banquet because at the end of the, the performance, the entire crowd of maybe 100 students, teachers, staff, and parents is fed by the, the cooking club. By our cooking club. And yes. all the promotion for that event came out of the Creatives Club, right? Yes. Designing posters and announcements and social media and advertisements, everything that we needed for that. And every student who participated saw themselves in that. They, they had control over that event. They had agency in it. Yes. So you ask, like, why would you spend money in... Goodness knows how many hours putting that thing together. Um, it's very obvious when they get up on stage. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You don't need an explanation once you see on stage. And very much looking forward to seeing the the videos of all of that, uh, with the exception of that final performance, because that, that was a bit amateur. Um, <laughs> so, in, in addition to Creatives Club and Cooking Club, which which have been incredibly successful, we also want to give big shout outs to uh, our teachers, uh, Miss Nicole Boyce. Yes. Uh, Hashina Pillay, Zoya Iqbal, Rebecca Bitten, who's been on this podcast before, and, and several others, because um, none of this happens uh, by accident. And Shout it, out to Mr. Dunsmore for yeah. always helping supervise Cooking Club as well. Yeah, yeah, and he's running his own um, Ethics Bowl, Philosophy mm -hmm. and Debate Club every Friday at lunch, distanced or in person. He's been doing that for a couple of years now. Uh, James Olson, who's been on this podcast before, helping us run all our sports, mm -hmm. helping us supervise our, our most recent event, which we'll get to in just a minute. But yeah, we're, we're, we're so lucky um, to be surrounded by teachers who recognize that uh, a student's success does not begin and end in the classroom. Absolutely. Right. 
in addition to those clubs, just to kind of fill out uh, the, the roster, if you will, we've got a cultural language and exchange mm-hmm. club, Miss Carol Rivera, Joanne uh, Nepomachino, and uh, Floridel Quindigian. Uh, running a club for students who are developing those language skills and want to explore the cultures around us. Just you, went to Kensington Market last week and have already right. had requests to do it again in the future. No surprise there. Kensington Market, one of the kind of major cultural centers here in downtown Toronto. Uh, other trips to be taken. Chinatown is five minutes mm-hmm. away from us. Some great Chinese and, and Vietnamese culture, uh, food and music to be found there. Uh, we've got... As you said, the University of Toronto, Baldwin Village, Little Italy is just down the street. So we are well provided for in terms of diverse cultural representation here. And that's a club that makes sure our students have access to that. We've got an entrepreneurs club. Again, Mr. Olson, Miss Bitten, helping students who have that entrepreneurial spirit to begin to realize those ideas, make prototypes, make pitch decks, etc. cetera. Uh, our well-being club. Um, teaches students a couple different frameworks for mindful journaling and mindfulness strategies. Which is, seems to be combining now into our creatives club as well right. with the mindful mandalas. And uh, yeah. we have our, our private music lessons with Ms. Boyce as well. Yeah. So. What a cool idea that was. Ms. <laughs> Ms. Boyce brought in uh, one of our parents, actually, one of our parents from Turkey uh, for a, an afternoon of mindful mandala. We have our exams coming up uh, in two days. Two days till our fi- end of Let's term get exams. Let's get, get back to work programming. Yeah, we don't want to think about that. Um, but for the students who are extra stressed or who are experiencing mm-hmm. a bit of pre-exam anxiety, which if you've ever written an exam, you probably know what that feels like. Stressful. Yeah, they spent an hour learning this this lovely uh, artistic um, tradition and, and having a bit of mandala done. And, you know, it's, it's little stuff like that that's, that's going to, you know, 10 students at a time or five students at a time make this place... Uh, a, a more stress-free environment um, and, and a place of growth rather than um, stagnation, repression, yeah, contraction, stagnation, exactly. <laughs> There's a few other things we want to touch on. We're not just student clubs here. Uh, as we've said again and again, lucky to be surrounded by people who, who embrace these ideas, but we're also lucky to be in a physical setting that has more than enough opportunities to see them realized. Yes. We've done a I've lost track of how many student trips we've done, and especially as the, the summer has come on and the weather has warmed, we do more and more. These past two months have been bananas, nonstop, in terms <laughs> of student events and trips. What were your favorites? What do you remember from them? Oh, I think some of my favorites are the ones that are not necessarily as, as structured. Um, things like AGO and, and the aquarium are... are beautiful trips and it's it's getting our students out to kind of experience a lot of the culture and uh just life that toronto has to offer um i think some of my favorites have been like toronto island um where it's literally just all day at the beach (laughs) hard not to like that one yeah it's uh you know we're giving students the opportunity to again see that toronto is not just you know, college and Spadina. And uh, some of them, the first thing that they they say when they, when they get off the ferry is, this is here? Mm-hmm. You have a beach? You have all of these things? And, and we had no idea. And uh, it's it's really cool to just kind of see their minds and their, their world just expand just a little bit more. Um, because what we're realizing, especially through things like COVID, mm-hmm. that uh, putting a young person face to face with another young person and letting them sort out 
to, to put it blithely, how do we play together? Yes. Right? How do we get on together? Especially maybe if we're from different cultures or look different or sound different or speak different languages, et cetera. How are we going to make this pleasurable mm-hmm. and, and purposeful for both of us? And sometimes that goes poorly. But that's where that anti-fragility stuff goes in, comes in, right? Because that, that poor interaction when it's unstructured is not something that gets shamed or disciplined from, from an authority above you. It's something that you just simply have the, the uh, unburdened ability to reflect on, right? And, and you, you're incentivized in the extreme to, to learn those lessons. And so when we get a whole bunch of students on a beach and, and we put the volleyball net up and, and we say, listen, guys, there's a whole bunch to see here on these multiple islands. Uh, enjoy yourselves. The challenge becomes, how, <laughs> how do, do I, I do enjoy that? myself? Yeah. And I, I would argue that uh, there's as much learning going on in the sand there on that day as there is in, in any classroom around the world. Definitely. Um, just because it's, it's front of mind for me right now, I was <laughs> going to save this for, for the end. But you and I, along with Mr. Olson, have just come back from a pretty special weekend. Yes! Um, and I've, I've got my, for, for those of you who can uh, view the video, I've got my student leader sweatshirt on. <laughs> Let me see if I can turn here. Yeah, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, proud of this. This was designed by last year's student leader group and something that we uh, were able to give to all of our student leaders at the end of their time here uh, in lieu of a trip like the one we just took. Because, of course, last because year we, we were unable to online. travel in groups on a bus or, or book uh, reservations like this. But this year we got it done. Thank goodness. Olympia Student Leader Camp Retreat. Fresh in our minds, even if we are somewhat exhausted from it. Still uh, so tired. What was it? What, what did we do that for? Uh, who came with us, and, and what were the results? So there were. I th- why did we do it? I think it was like you said. It was a bit of a, a reward for our students that have contributed so much to our our school community. Um, students who have been here for an extended period of time and who have really immersed themselves in, in Braemar. Mm-hmm. They, they join the clubs, they participate, they are just prominent faces at Braemar and they interact with everyone and anyone uh, while also maintaining a decent academic standing mm-hmm. they they go to their classes all the time they they're getting the grades um, but they're also out every day just being part of the school and there's not a, there's no other other way to put it other than they that needs to be recognized mm-hmm. and um, having them come on this this trip was oh, a small way for us to kind of say we see you we know what you're doing and thank you yeah. um, myself and Mike and uh, Mr. James Olson we and 24 of our uh, student leaders traveled two and a half hours into northern Ontario two and a half hours Friday and then Friday morning (laughs) Sunday folks do not come back into the city of Toronto uh, at the end of a weekend it's it's a fool's errand cottage season is in full effect (laughs) that said with the exception of that uh, that return journey um, yeah I was almost grateful that it lasted that long because that meant it was still happening Um, (laughs) but uh yeah, we traveled up to Olympia Sport Camp in, in Huntsville, Ontario. And uh, it was a really incredible thing for a lot of our students 
to to see this other world really mm-hmm. um and experience so many things that i think we as as canadian or canadian individuals who have grown up here almost take for granted um i know for me like i i grew up going to cottages every summer i went to summer camp i've done that experience my entire life this was yeah. nothing new uh but for a lot of our students seeing a lake and uh, swimming in a lake or not swimming in a lake um, was things that they had never experienced before. Seeing all of the green and the surrounding trees and, and nature and uh, you know, flocks of geese on the property and, and turtles laying eggs on the beach, uh, random chipmunks and, and raccoons just feet away from mm-hmm. us was... Just an experience that a lot of them have never had before. And I think one student, uh, he said it best, maybe not said it best, but his reaction was, what have I been doing with my life? (laughs) Like, I've never experienced something like this. What am I doing? And had to cut him some slack. And be like, you're you're 18, it's fine. Yes. Um, Doesn't feel like it when you are 18. No. But it's important that they know that. That's exactly how I think of this yes. trip. It's it's giving them just another, a, a totally different setting and a version of life that they might consider for themselves. Yes. And if they if they feel that that pull, right? Mm-hmm. If they feel mm-hmm. if they recognize themselves in that thing, whether it's nature, uh, some of the outdoor life skills that we were doing, some of the adventure style <laughs> uh, apparatus. Like we had students climbing rock walls and and high ropes high courses, ropes. Uh, building campfires. Um, doing swim tests, like a lot of stuff. A lot that, of students are now planning to take up archery once they get to college and university. That's right. <laughs> yeah, for better or for worse. Yes. Um, but it, it would seem a shame to me for these students who've been with us for, for a bit longer, right? Mm-hmm. These are grades, almost entirely grades 11s and 12s, yeah. who've really demonstrated their commitment to the student culture here. Um, time and time again, I'm asked questions um, in the midst of a day, perhaps I'm doing some work and a student can come and ask me about their cell phone plan or their bank account or how do they get around on public transportation or where can they find a specific type of food at a grocery store or a restaurant. And like like anyone, sometimes I just don't quite have the time on hand to, to really address that question in the, in the fullness that it deserves. And so I can look into the hallway and grab an Amir or grab a Lucy yeah. and, and say, I trust this student to be mature and empathetic and knowledgeable enough to be able to help you with what you need in this moment. Always. Right? So we, we take those students and we show them a part of Canada that you don't get here in downtown Toronto. Um, neither is better nor worse, but they're both extraordinary in their own ways, and, and we hope that they mm-hmm. um, see themselves in that. We, we hope they find something there that, that will, will be impetus for, for further growth. I think of it as a, almost like a progress marker. Yes. Um, I, I was thinking about uh, our Creatives Club and what you were saying about it earlier. And one thing that we learned this year is that Creatives Club works best when there's a a destination or a mm. goal mm-hmm. coming up that they're working towards. Our first instinct was to keep Creatives Club very, very open because, of course, it's artistry and it's creative and what a left brain, right brain, whatever that is. I know, For it's, sure. it, but um, that didn't work quite as well because when you <laughs> don't happens. set any deadlines, <laughs> yeah, students uh, stay in the inspiration phase and, and don't yes. move to the productivity phase. So we started giving them goals like our Thanksgiving holiday event. Mm-hmm. So we need advertising for this. We need a gallery for this, et cetera, et cetera. And they ran with it. 
And, yes. and we got some of our best creative work out of them for that. You, you need these, these markers on the way up the mountain to see yourself becoming. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Olympia Camp Retreat is. That's what Expressions Banquet is, truly. And I, I, I'm just now realizing that maybe students are gonna hear this and think that we're being very covert <laughs> and, and tricky. Doing. Yeah, look what we did <laughs> It's also fun yes. for anybody listening out there. Yes. But uh, this is a chance in the case of the Olympia Camp Retreat for students to sit for a second in nature and see the progress that they've made and see that progress recognized, mm -hmm. right? I think that provides, think of it as scaffolding, I think that provides a new foundation, right? A new uh, starting point for the next phase in their life as, yes. they, as they move further and further. Um, and hopefully something they remember for years to come, I know I will, uh, mm -hmm. alongside all of the events and the volunteering and the trips and the clubs. I know we're running out of time here. Miss Paul, as always, is doing double, triple, quadruple duty uh, as a now as a podcast guest, but she's going to be going <laughs> to teach a class in just a few minutes. And your flexibility and adaptability are, are one of the, the um, characteristics that I, I treasure most about you. You teach everything. What, everything. Yeah. French, hospitality and tourism, drama, fashion, mm -hmm. ESL, the list mm -hmm. goes on and on. Um, I think I'm up to 19 different classes yeah <laughs> 19 different classes here folks uh whoever told you teaching is easy uh kick them in the shins for me would you before we let you go uh we're not done no right the 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 year has come together beautifully and we're proud of what we've been able to offer and and the the fruits have have borne out but september is fast approaching <laughs> <sighs> what are our hopes for the future what do we hope continues and maybe what are we looking to develop and, and evolve more of Oh, I think I want to see Braemar getting more involved in the surrounding community mm -hmm. um, as much as possible. Uh, we've we've really started that already, but I think uh, there are a lot of aspects of Toronto that we've haven't even scraped the surface on yet. Uh, yeah. And I think giving our students, especially, um, just again different avenues, different areas that they can explore and maybe eventually see themselves in uh, is something that I would love to see kind of where we progress in the future. I know that's very open and very vague, but uh, Toronto is a city in the world um, that has anything and everything you could possibly want. And I think we've only accessed a small portion of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also think with our, our changing world and our more globalized world and more awareness in what's happening, there are so many more things that we can get involved in. It's just a matter of figuring out what our students want and what they need and going from there. That's it. Yeah. No apologies needed for, for vague <laughs> open-endedness, right? That, that's, that's, that's where all of this all started. I see. Yeah. Right? Um, cooking club started with, I think our students could probably use some support with Food and Food, nutrition. Yeah. That, that that may be vague and open ended, <laughs> but uh, it's it's a wonderful starting point. We've we've had um, I think a very good foundational starting point uh, this year and, and these past years. I want to give shout outs to um, Julian Picone at Scott Mission. Yes, a wonderful charitable organization just down the street who have welcomed our student volunteers for several several years now, um, helping to do meal prep and uh, inventory for uh, a, a, an organization that provides 
a, quite a range of services to the underserved uh, members of our community. Shout out to uh, May uh, Tangnathasap at Fort York Food Bank, who has also welcomed, welcomed us doing very similar things, got us in on the coldest night of the year fundraiser. Um, and now we're helping to uh, build the garden just outside there. So we got a student group going there after school today. And uh, finally, Maria Solikovsky at Wild by Nature uh, Garden Homestead in East Toronto. She has welcomed volunteers every Thursday for three hours for the past six weeks, helping to, to build the homestead there, giving students the type of ecological, botanical, herbological skills that, that is going to save them money and, and hopefully enhance their lives, getting them those volunteer hours. But exactly as you said, um, making them feel like this place is their home. That they that their identity extends beyond themselves uh, to the support of others, and we, long may those uh, initiatives continue and grow. We look forward to this summer our mm-hmm. first ever participation in the uh, Grange Park Festival. Nice. Yeah, I haven't told anyone about that yet because it's coming up in three months. But very much looking forward to supporting them and and their work in the community. Um, and I mean, Jess. Can't, I, I, it's been a pleasure, Mr. It's, it's a ton of work, but man, it's it's the most fulfilling kind of work. And, and this this year, I would not have survived. I, I wouldn't still be here without you. So Likewise. thank you for everything that you do. Um, and I, I can't wait for for the first week of September to get a whole new batch of students into cooking club, sports, volunteering, creatives, all the other <laughs> stuff that we do. Going to give you the uh, the final word before we get out of here. Talk to the students, the parents, anybody in the Braemar community. What do you want them to know about this place, and and uh, how do you feel about it? It's a world, and all of it, it's a whole world in its own. Um, there's nothing like it, and if if you're going to join us here, we can't wait to have you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Couldn't have said it better. Folks, thanks for being with us on this uh, special episode review of the student programs at Braemar. Looking forward to bringing you more episodes like this in the future. And special thanks to Miss Paul for being with me, here with me today. Thank we'll see you next time. And join us for our next episode, where I'll be talking to Rebecca Bitten, teacher and life coach, as well as her student, Miss Amira Gilani, about mindfulness and healing from both a teacher and student's perspective.